Welcome to Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. My name is Alex, and today my guest is Alex Geiger, who is the owner of Classic Crust Pizza up in Phoenix, and they're a business that accepts Bitcoin, and I was able to go up there, record in the pizza shop, which, you know, honestly, was kind of a bad idea because it's just all the noise in the background, so um, hopefully you can bear with me in this one, uh, but it was a great conversation with Alex. Next time I have him on, we'll record somewhere else where it's not so noisy, but um, yeah, I mean, it was super cool. I was able to buy pizza with Bitcoin just with a, you know, really easy lightning transaction on Blue Wallet to his service open node. And it was so easy. It was, you know, in my opinion, even easier than a debit credit transaction because you don't have to swipe a card and, you know, go through that whole thing. Uh, literally just scan a QR code and boom, it's paid. Um, it's really exciting. But yeah, I'm pretty fired up right now. Uh, Jack Maller's talk at Bitcoin Miami, I, I wasn't able to go, but I watched it online. El Salvador is making Bitcoin legal tender there, and that is so exciting. Um, I had a conversation on the podcast a couple months ago with Mike Peterson about that, about what a Bitcoin circular economy looks like in action. In action, and it, 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 I don't know. Things are just moving so quickly. Like they're making it. Uh, almost a national currency at this point with this move and it's just so incredible the work that Strike's doing it's incredible the work that Mike Peterson's doing with Bitcoin Beach and it's cool to see that energy here in Arizona with Classic Crust Pizza and you know a few other businesses that are accepting Bitcoin like we're getting there this is the revolution you know Bitcoin is not a stock it is so much more it's an open monetary network that you know, is going to be freeing millions and millions of people and providing financial services to people that have been unbanked. And that's incredible. And on top of that, it protects our purchasing power from inflation. It, it, it protects us from theft, you know, from the money printing. And it, this is huge. It's so huge. Bitcoin is the revolution. And I'm so excited. That was a great conversation. And then, you know, on another note, uh, Ross Albrecht had his first, uh, you know, public appearance of sorts um, through a phone, recorded phone call. And that really puts into perspective how important this is. Like, you know, we need to take power back and promote freedom as much as possible. Like people are just going to be living in prison for the rest of their lives, having, you know, committed no violent crimes and, and not committing crimes that warrant being in cages. And it's a serious issue. And, you know, we can do stuff about it with Bitcoin. We can really, really limit the power that the state has and uh, really empower the individual. And that's, you know, what this is about. This is what this podcast is about. That's what, you know, this movement is about. It's a rejection of all of this insanity and totalitarianism. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks for doing this, Alex. This is fun. Yeah, sounds like fun. Yeah, first time up to Classic Crust Pizza, and uh, heard a lot about you guys. You guys are uh, kind of Phoenix's Bitcoin mecca, from what I've heard. Yeah, well, I opened this place to have a place to have our meetup group, where we could meet in person, somewhere that would actually accept Bitcoin. Uh, when we founded the Arizona Bitcoin Meetup back in 2012, we were meeting at a farmer's market down in Tucson. I'm sorry, down in Tempe, um, and they wouldn't accept Bitcoin. They we we turned them onto it for a little bit. They accepted the payments there for a couple of the meetups, and then 
stopped and we really wanted to encourage the use of Bitcoin, not just the, the hodling. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Let me just adjust this a little bit for you. Yeah, I think that seems a little bit better. Yeah. Um, there's definitely like a hesitancy to for businesses to accept Bitcoin. It's something that's been pretty new. I had somebody reach out to me just last week in Tucson saying that they were going to do it in their hospital. Um, but yeah, have you been talking with other business owners after that about why they should accept Bitcoin? You know, at this point, I just kind of try to work it within the network of other Bitcoiners. So it's like I've got a friend who's an electrician and he'll accept Bitcoin. Uh, I've got another friend that's a dentist and he'll accept Bitcoin. So it's, I find rather than going out and, and talking to people unsolicited, it's better to you know, have them come in and once you get to know them, then build your own network. Yeah, definitely. That's why Bitcoin meetups are so important to get the message out there and get people that are networked like that, for sure. They really are. I use the meetups kind of as a market gauge as well. So if it's, you know, five or less people, then it's a good buying opportunity. <laughs> Makes sense. If it's 40, 50 people, then we're at the top and it's time to sell. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely like noticed that over uh, um, during COVID, I was going to the Zoom meetup. Uh, with the Phoenix Bitcoin meetup and mm -hmm. that was a lot of fun with those guys, but there was only about six of us in there at each. Yeah. Time. That's, that's pretty indicative of, of a good buying opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully uh, the next coming meetups will be kind of small then. Well, it looks like they're growing though. So clearly we're, you know, mid thirties price wise. So, there's, there's some interest definitely forming with the general public. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah, I think we'll know that we've hit a top when the politicians start coming in. Yeah, you just look for Elon Musk's tweets and you know when, when we're at the top. <laughs> sure. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, so you guys started in 2015, um, started accepting Bitcoin right off the bat. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. What, what was your journey with Bitcoin like? Uh, to influence you to make that decision? I got I got involved in Bitcoin pretty early, um, November of 2012, actually. Um, kind of a, walked into a Bank of America branch with $1,000 and deposited it into some random guy's checking account. And, uh, an hour later, some money showed up on this janky exchange, able to walk away with 100 Bitcoin. <laughs> Gosh, I wish I had that much Bitcoin now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, here and there, I got it in 2018 when all the exchanges were kind of built out. And uh, I mean, hearing the stories of like what it took to buy Bitcoin early on is, is pretty phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really strange times. So I, immediately I got into mining uh, after that. Was mining on GPUs. Before there were any kind of ASICs, got a, got an FPGA farm going after that, and bought in some of the first Butterfly Labs ASICs. Yeah, and waited, 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 waited for those to show up. Nice. Do you still mine today, or I I don't anymore. I've I've been through that. I I do hold some um, Riot blockchain and Marathon digital shares. So gotcha. I. I'm I'm not mining myself, but I still have exposure to that. Yeah, man, I I was thinking about buying some S nines, uh, which are for anybody listening or ASICs, um, pretty early on 
in like 2019. And if I had held on to those things, it would be worth so much today. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. You're generally way better off just buying Bitcoin than mining them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mining is definitely a competitive game. So, so what was that journey like going from mining to deciding uh, not to, what was that kind of like? Well, we, we went all in on mining and I managed to dwindle my stack of Bitcoins from, a hundred down to about thirty six. I'm mining. Gotcha. So because you're chasing new machines, chasing more hardware, chasing bigger returns, and it's easy to easy to spend a lot. Yeah. So I was just seeing that it wasn't profitable anymore. You decided to. Shut got, we got to the point where we had close to a megawatt at a data center, and the cost of mine was more than the amount of Bitcoin you could get, which yeah. makes it really hard to pay the bills. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, yeah, that's the hard thing about mining. I so mean, we, we shut that business down and we were looking for something to do next. And that's where we decided to do pizza. Cool. So yeah, could you walk us through, um, you know, what, what does it take for a business to accept Bitcoin? You know, we started off just really simple with a wallet, and we were accepting on-chain payments. And, I mean, back in 2015, it's just pennies per transaction, so it's just easy to accept them on-chain. And they're low-risk transactions, you know, under $50, so we weren't worried about, you know, getting six confirmations or anything like that. So for the longest time, we just had a shared wallet that we accepted payments to. Now, on-chain payments, you know, are, are a little slow, a little expensive. Um, so now we're doing Lightning. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, Lightning's phenomenal. It's just, like, we just did a transaction right before, and it settled instantly. Instantly, um, and it was like $3.60. So, I mean, it totally works for really small amounts. You can, you know, put 50 cents into an arcade machine with Lightning, and, and that's a valid use case. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have people listen to my podcast and, and stream me like tiny fractions of um, Bitcoin, like 10 sats a, a minute or something like that. And That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's... I, I just topped off a wallet. I wanted to have it exactly a million sats in it, so I sent two sats okay. over lightning to it to, to, to finish it off. That's awesome. It's like, yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the so you guys use OpenNode. Um, what, what was kind of your decision making there there's a few options probably the most notable are open node bitpay and btc pay server um so we're using open node because it's really convenient um we're in the process of building out some shopify stores mm -hmm. and they have full integration with shopify so we'll be able to accept lightning payments for delivery orders and pickup orders through our shopify stores when, when those go live mm -hmm. and um yeah, it's amazing. Like I know BTC Pay, I haven't tried it yet with Shopify, but I know they have an integration. It's just amazing that 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 like how easy it is to integrate it with you, like your normal point of sale. My only concern with BTC Pay is you know you're having to run a node, you're having to manage your channels. It, it's not going to be nearly as seamless for my customers to walk in and pay. Yeah, for sure. And with Open Node, they handle all that for you, and they charge one percent, which is Pretty reasonable. Yeah, I think uh, that for a merchant that needs to settle in dollars because they have dollar-based expenses, then they can also provide that service for you. 
And then when, once you have the Bitcoin, what do you do with it? Like, how, how do you view Bitcoin in the sense of, like, accepting it as a business? So we retain all of the Bitcoin that we receive in our company treasury. We're not looking to spend it or use it for at least four years. Awesome. That's, yeah, I mean, I think that's phenomenal. It, this whole pandemic has really brought up the issue of, like, businesses not having, you know, savings. Um, that's you know, for normal people too. And Bitcoin is definitely like a very attractive uh, um, option for that. Did, do you guys ever pay the employees in Bitcoin? We have. When when the employees ask to be paid in Bitcoin, we always make that an available option to them. Gotcha. And kind of like from an accounting basis, um, what what is that like uh, reporting, you know, receiving Bitcoin? We just report it as a sale recorded in the point of sale system and we pay sales tax and income tax and everything on it just as it was a cash sale or a credit sale it's just another payment form gotcha so it's not it's not like entirely difficult with the irs and stuff like that not particularly when when you go to transact with it then you have to look at you know is there a capital gain or capital loss event mm -hmm. and so does open node um like when you receive the Bitcoin, does it keep track of the value that it was? They do. Oh. They do. Oh. And we we keep our company treasury on uh, on river.com. Okay. And it has cost tra basis tracking for everything. So we know for every bucket of money that's in there, what, what was the acquisition cost. Gotcha. That's cool. So as far as like other businesses that are accepting Bitcoin in Arizona, I think there's, you know, five that I know of. Um, there's a um, hospital in Tucson, you know, you guys, and then a few other ones um, that I haven't visited yet and gotten to know. Um, are there any, um, you know, other business owners that you, like, frequently talk with that accept Bitcoin? No, I, I don't have a big, like, business owner network. Um, I am talking to somebody that runs a large barter network about converting their network to being Bitcoin based instead of their own private currency. So, you know, there's there's definitely networks of businesses that, that are ready to be disrupted. Yeah, I mean that's I see it as kind of an inevitability of like all these companies accepting Bitcoin. Uh, a bunch of companies are capitulating like Venmo, um, PayPal, all those guys to start, you know, selling Bitcoin. And I think it's only a matter of time before, you know, other businesses start capitulating to accept Bitcoin. You guys are way ahead of the curve on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's come naturally to us from the beginning. We've always been about having a place for the crypto community to come and, and actually use use Bitcoin, not just talk about it and hold it, but use it for payments. The, the narrative has switched quite a bit. You know, when I first got started with Bitcoin, it was, you know, cheap payments, international remittances, use cases that are now not part of the narrative. Now it's, it's you know, digital gold, a store of value. You just got to hold, hold, hold. And I, I don't feel like that's a, a true representation of what Bitcoin's capabilities really are. I mean, there is the problem that it's going to increase in value significantly over the next four years. At some point, it's going to reach price stability, though. It'll eat pretty much the rest of the financial energy of the world. 
at which point there's no more financial energy to consume and it's just the money. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, one of the things that gets me super stoked on Bitcoin is that idea of the Bitcoin circular economy and what that means uh, when people start opting out fully of the fiat system, you know, and opting out of all the, you know, shenanigans that go along with that. Um, A lot of my friends that have, you know, chosen the route of let me just live on Bitcoin for, you know, six months or a year, kind of regret that decision now. Yeah. So I, 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 I kind of regret some of the decisions I've made, but not really. You know, I, when I bought the restaurant, I, I sold quite a large number of coins would be worth $10 million today or some crazy amount of money in order to fund the purchase. But the lessons I've learned and the experiences I've had and the people I've met and the journey that I'm on, I wouldn't trade for anything. So while I'd love to have those coins back, it's just not in the cards. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, you kind of like alluded to like the volatility of price. how do you how do you guys navigate that as a business? I know you're mostly using it just for as a treasury or like a savings tool. Right. We're we're not concerned about the day to day volatility because we're the Bitcoin payments are a small percentage of our revenues, so we're able to just save it. Mm-hmm. And I know that over a long period of time, Bitcoin performs extremely well. Mm-hmm. The interim, you know, day to day, month to month, can be extremely volatile. It could, it, this cycle could go down to 20 still. It could go up to 300. A lot can happen in a bubble cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this cycle, it's like, I, I, this is my first like full cycle that I've been through. My first, first bull market I got in right at the, you know, beginning of the, the bear market of 2018, 2019. And uh, it, it's just wild, but I don't think like, you know, we've seen things like um, the amount of money printing that's going on and the, all the issues with supply chains and just the volatility. Um, Six trillion dollar budget. Just an immense amount of money. I don't think most people can fathom how much money that is. It's, it's if you took all of the world's gold mining output for the next 35 years, that's six trillion dollars. It's like half of the entire gold market cap right now. It's like, yeah, we just conjure it out of thin air. It's not going to end well for fiat. Yeah, let's talk about a little bit about what, why that's pro- why why is that so problematic to to print money like we are right now? I think most people are just completely disconnected from it. Well, you you can't print your way to prosperity. just doesn't work yeah it's no no country that's tried has ever been successful yeah i mean i think that's a that's a huge thing like we've seen the precedence of what happens when people try and do this and it's pretty ugly that's what really confuses me a lot about the narrative of people saying that we're not going to see inflation especially these mmt people um yeah what are they going to do bury their heads in the sand i mean Used car values are appreciating, and and that makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a case of chicken wings is up to one hundred and fifty dollars for a forty pound case. It's 
directly impacting my business. As small business owners see inflation. We, we see it before consumers do. So, yeah, so how, how are you guys navigating that inflation? Well, you can look at my menu and you'll see chicken wings are, are priced at market price. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have printed menus. Everything's digital with QR codes, so I can change the prices every week. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed about your business is like you've definitely been ahead of the curve as far as like getting online and, uh, um, you know, doing some other, you know, business ventures that take advantage of that. Um, there's a lot of businesses out there that are really struggling to adapt. Uh, do you think like, I mean, where, where do you see the future going specifically for like dine-in restaurants and, um, you know, retail style places? I'm, I'm not really sure. There's a, a big movement towards um, off-premise takeout and delivery. We're involved in virtual restaurants where we have three or four other brands that we service out of our restaurant. There's a lot of automation coming into to food service. There's a robot that can work the fryers, the flat top. Um, in December, there's a pizza robot that's going to be unleashed on the market. Right? So be less reliant on labor things are changing yeah 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 things are changing real quick um it's like do you think that the prices of like these things will ever come down or is this going to be you know a major indefinite issue well i think the prices on the the you know, single item kind of inflation prices will come down. It's a contagion to the rest of everything. Is what will end up happening? So, yeah. Like right now, we have single item inflation. We have um, our chicken wings and our cooking oil are just going up exponentially. Um, the rest of the men, men, the food items are pretty flat. You know, maybe we're seeing, you know, 15, 20 cents on a $30 item increase, but nothing, nothing crazy. But as, as the prices of those single items start to stabilize, we'll see the other items also go up. Interesting. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Like, I, I mean, I've noticed, like, I was making jokes about it when I first started the podcast about how, um, you know, that we wouldn't have a dollar menu at McDonald's, um anymore and that's like the case right now they've essentially just like gutted it and it's all gone like i'm i'm expecting by the end of the year instead of having a big stack of 20s at the end of a busy friday night it'll be a big stack of hundreds so like how like looking forward what are your guys's plans for navigating the the inflation that uh you know we'll almost indefinitely see other than just like changing the we're we're able to rapidly change prices on our menus. Um, we increase the wages for our guys every time we increase the prices. We want to keep all of our staff at pace with inflation. It's, it's, it's a tough place, and, and operators that aren't prepared to deal with it are going to lose. And have your staff been really noticing and feeling it as well? They notice it when they go to the grocery store. I mean, that's, you that's, get a smaller amount of goods for the same amount of money. 
I mean, that's really cool. You're probably the only business I've ever heard of that is doing that right now. You'll you'll notice that a lot of businesses have raised their prices already. Yeah, I, I like in regards to like raising wages, though. They're also we're also if you want to hire anybody, you need to pay better. The government's currently paying you know eight hundred dollars a week in unemployment. Is that something that you see? Like I noticed some states are are uh, shutting down the unemployment benefits. Um, Thankfully, Arizona is one of those states that's shutting it down. Yeah, it'll it'll provide relief to some of these business owners. My concern is, you know, do you really want to hire somebody that their motivation was to stay home? Yeah. Is that the is that going to make a good employee? Yeah. I'm I'm not really interested in hiring those people. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It's. Yeah, the incentives are just like all over the place right now. I mean, the, the, I talk to people, you know, pretty regularly, and this is like a reoccurring issue that is brought up is that it's hard to find. There's a help wanted sign on every business that you can walk by. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. So we, yeah, we've kind of seen like American small businesses just absolutely demolished over the past year. Um, what do you what do you think like the future of American small businesses is, is like? It's it's a really challenging time for small business. We're not able to go borrow millions of dollars at zero percent interest like the big corporations are. And you've got our 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 competitors like Pizza Hut. They have unlimited access to capital, so they can keep their prices artificially low, sell things at a loss for now just to win market share and put everybody else out of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, do you see Bitcoin as a solution to those issues specifically? Absolutely. Having a stable, hard currency fixes a lot of problems. How would, how would you think would it be different, like, going forward in the future under a Bitcoin standard of, like, you know, for the small businesses in this regard? Well, I think you can do away with things like minimum wage. You can let free market determine what wages are. Makes sense. That way, you know, if there's a 16-year-old kid that wants to get some experience and wants to wash dishes or do something, learn learn this craft, they, they can come do that. And, you know, if you know, $9 an hour or $10 an hour makes sense for him, then, then so be it. Yeah, minimum wage is, is something that's brought up a lot. And what's interesting is, like, the the people that are generally promoting that idea are not the people that are concerned about the inflation that's causing, you know, the actual, like, discussion of minimum wage. Right. You raise the minimum wage and inflation goes up and the people at the bottom are not any better off. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say they're worse off today than they were when we had an 825 minimum wage when I opened this business. Yeah. My my guys, when I first opened, you know, on 825 an hour, were able to afford an apartment. Mm-hmm. Now they can barely rent a room and they're making 14. Yeah, the, I mean, the real estate is just like absolutely insane. You know, and Lynn Alden, I'm not sure if you saw this article, but she put one out on inflation. One of the things she talked about is like over the past you know, 30 years, um, especially, you know, we've seen this giant leap of centralized ownership of 
land, you know, property of like 10% of the population in 2019 owned 70% of all the houses. And I think it's gotten a lot worse since 2019 with all the free money out there. Yeah, well, inflation benefits those who get their hands on the money first. Yeah. So we're, we're like seeing this creep of like, you know, socialism, um, kind of like Marxist ideology into like the general conversation is becoming a lot more prevalent. It's kind of really interesting. Um, I, I came into Bitcoin not really being political at all. I'm, I'm by trade, I was a software engineer and I saw Bitcoin like on Slashdot in 2010, 2011, like really early on some articles and I fleetingly played around with it then and then in November of 2012 it, it popped up on my radar again and that's when I really got into it. And once I got into Bitcoin I discovered all these libertarians and really discovered a lot of libertarian ideals that that now make a lot of sense to me. Yeah it was pretty similar experience for me. It was, you know, the amazing thing about Bitcoin to understand it, it, it's like a virus. Once it catches hold of you, you just want to learn more and more. Um, but it forces, it like forces us to like really ask questions that we've never you know thought about before. Like what is money, you know, and how does the money work and, you know, who's controlling it and why are they stuff that you just never thought of really. I mean, I would work and I'd try to earn and save some money and, just went about my life, right? But now I understand this is bullshit. They just print this out of thin air. And and as they're doing that, they're essentially stealing. Yeah. Know, from all there it's a hidden tax on everybody. Yeah. It's yeah. As far as like you figure what, they printed twenty six percent of the dollars in existence this year, so that's a twenty six percent tax on everything that's in your savings account. Yeah, and we're just starting to, you know, really feel that too. It's going to take some time to, for all the effects to settle in. We'll see a lot of it by the end of the government year, which which is uh, end of September, mm -hmm. yeah. which also coincides with the traditional peak of the Bitcoin market from days from the having. That's really interesting. September is going to be a hell of an interesting month. Well, I mean, it's just one interesting month after another. <laughs> Well, the Treasury has to wind down its full budget by the end of September. Yeah. They, they were at over a trillion dollars to start. By the end of June, they have to get to $500 billion, So quite a bit of money is going to be flowing into the economy. Yeah, we're... I mean, there's like a major uh, price dip right now. Yeah, we saw like some unprecedented things like with MicroStrategy and uh, um, Mass Mutual, Tesla all buying Bitcoin, you know, putting in their treasuries. Uh, Michael Saylor put on that uh, you know seminar you know, for businesses to Bitcoin for corporations kind of thing. Yeah, there there's a lot of talk that the, that energy is not over. That more and more companies are going to be diving into Bitcoin. Um, so a lot of this is just game theory, right? I mean, it's you can, you can do technical analysis on the charts and moving average crossovers and all that kind of crap, and it's not going to help you one bit. Mm -hmm. It's game theory with billionaires playing with 
tons of money and what, who's going to flinch, who's going to move. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it's pretty interesting. I, I think like when I'm talking with people that are like new in the space, I suggest for them to dollar cost average and not trade you know, for that reason, try and time the markets. Um, it's, it's really best to just dollar cost average, ignore the price. Don't even worry about it. Hold for at least four years. Yeah, because in that four years, that's about the, that's the cycle of, of the right. having. Right, that, that gets you into the next having, another cycle, and then you have an opportunity to, to sell if you need to or hold for another four years if you're financially able to just continue to live with what you have, then keep putting it away. Yeah. yeah. You can build multi-generational wealth. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing that, like, I really try, um, and I get really excited with, uh, you know, services like Fold that offer Bitcoin back on, on purchases. Um, See, that's that's great for people that are just barely scraping by, living paycheck to paycheck. They're able to get a small amount of Bitcoin on their purchases that they make every day. Yeah, it, it's... You don't have to strain your life, stress out about... Know, I mortgage my house to buy Bitcoin. Don't do stupid shit like that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, like, I think one of the hardest things for people is to not be emotional in these markets, and it's in the stock market too. Like, one thing that I've noticed, like, with a lot of my friends that aren't Bitcoiners, when they look at it, they they think it's kind of like a gamble. You know, they treat it like going to the casino. And, and the way that they put money into these things and are willing to put their money into Dogecoin. or you know. Yeah, if they're putting their money into shit coins, then it is playing the casino. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a hard uh, hard shift for people, you know, out of that ma- mindset, out of that yacht mindset into a Bitcoin mindset. Sure. It really is. Um, you know, I see it as the price of Bitcoin goes down, my net worth in Bitcoin going up. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Because my fiat net worth stayed the same, and now it buys more Bitcoin. So my total net worth is, is since I'm on the Bitcoin standard, is Bitcoin denominated. So now I'm worth more coins. Yeah. Yeah. I was really, really excited. Last night I was out to eat with my girlfriend, and she had that realization for the first time. Yeah. She is like, we're eventually going to start pricing things in sats. And not dollars anymore. It's it's a ways off, but it will happen. But it will happen. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, I mean, it's you've got a good money and then a terrible money, and it's like which one do you legitimately want to hold on to and chase over the long term? And the better money wins every time. Yeah, it's just human nature. Yeah. Yeah. What like, you know, when you're running your meetups and you've got uh, new people walking in, what, where do you generally point them to? We, we try to get them set up with a wallet, point them at, you know, where they can buy, try to give them a general understanding what, what Bitcoin is and what differentiates it from the rest of the crypto market. So for you specifically, how, how do you see Bitcoin different than the rest of the crypto market? So, Bitcoin is the true decentralized major invention that solved the Byzantine general problem. It 
it's it's a very unique thing. Um, it can't be duplicated or replicated. Yeah. Do you, do you like I I just clarify like I'm a maximalist and I refer to all coins as shit coins too. Um, but do you see like a future for all coins, you know, in this market and stuff that you're doing? There's a lot of interesting development that happens in all market. Mm-hmm. And Bitcoin can take advantage of those developments and incorporate some of those things into into Bitcoin in the future. Yeah. The the Bitcoin core developers are very cautious. You know, it's it's not a simple task to change the protocol. You can't just push something to GitHub and say, "Oh, there's the Berlin fork. Let's go." You know, it's it's we have to have u- universal consensus of all the people running nodes and all the miners. It's it, it's not a trivial task to change Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean that's the amazing thing about it is, is how difficult it is to co-opt as a network. Um, I think like one of the major concerns that like a lot of people have coming into the space is this fear that like the government is going to somehow co-opt it. And we, we've definitely seen a lot of like negative attention directed at Bitcoin recently with like the whole climate change, you know, nonsense that's being talked about mining. And um, I personally think it's a good goal to focus our efforts on renewables. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a huge fan of um, SHA-256 double rounds on the block header. I, I think it's a kind of silly, arbitrary uh, hashing function. And it's not quantum resistant. And it will have to change at some point. So, Do you see that as like a major point of conflict in the future? Yeah, we're, that'll be what causes the first major hard fork for Bitcoin will be a, a quantum upgrade. What do you think the timeline for something like that is? Probably within the next three years. Okay. Yeah, I so saw that. I, I follow quantum cryptography very closely. Um, the National Institute of Standards is on the round three of the competition for the finalists. So after this competition that, that's happening imminently, they'll, they'll have the recommendations on which algorithms are, are preferred. Okay. And what, what, what do you think that process would look like, and how would that change Bitcoin? Well, we'll, we won't be using elliptical curves for our signatures anymore. It'll be a zero-knowledge proof kind of thing over a large lattice. So very, very different kind of way of signing. Gotcha. How, how does that change things, like for the average person sending a transaction? It'll change all of the wallet software. The blocks will be quite a bit bigger because all the keys will be bigger. It's a big infrastructure change. The, the mining will probably look drastically different than it does now. Gotcha. Interesting. How, how would that impact decentralization ultimately? I'm, I'm hoping that it's a, a great opportunity to make Bitcoin even far more decentralized than it is now. The, the mining is way too concentrated in the hands of a few large players. I would much rather see it back to the users. Gotcha. How how would the uh, like how would that look? So it would it mean that like we wouldn't be mining with ASICs anymore and go back to GPUs or? There's lots of different approaches. Uh, there's CPU bound kind of solutions. There's Microsoft has a patent on kind of proof of human. 
So, you know, one belly button, one vote kind of situ situation. Gotcha. I'd, I'd personally like to see something that leans towards uh, like AI computers. So you have essentially what looks similar to a large GPU array. That way when, you know, when the miners are seeking profitability, they don't just mine Bitcoin. They can also like lease the lease the hardware for things like deep space exploration. Interesting. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that's just like so incredible about Bitcoin is how it opens up the door of like all these new possibilities. Like we wouldn't have, you know, go back thirty years, we wouldn't have imagined what we could have be doing today with the internet, you know, with uh, podcasting, YouTube. Um, I mean, with your online business that you're running, I'm sure that wasn't like really something that you had in the back of your head 30 years ago um, in Bitcoin. I, you know, I, I I grew up with the internet. Uh, it's, I was, had a, you know, dial up 2600 baud modem dialing into BBSs before there were any like connected internet machines and then on AOL and Prodigy connecting to the internet for the first time. So I've, I've been around the whole growth of technology. Like when I was in college, I wrote a little script to, to find all the four and five letter domain names that were dictionary words. I was going to buy them all up, but I didn't have the money. There was a guy, uh, Michael Saylor, who bought them. Yeah. Went to college about the same time as me. That's funny. Looks like he had the money. That's funny. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Look at some of the domains he owns. It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that seemed like a pretty lucrative investment for him to do. What, what, did it, what would it have costed you back then to buy a domain like that? I think they were like 10 bucks a piece. Gotcha. So. But as a broke college student, you know, and a, a list of like 100 really cool domains, you know, what do you do? Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as like, you know, say somebody's on the edge or like has a business that they want to start accepting Bitcoin, what, what would be some like, you know, guidance that you would give them in the decision making process of why they should start doing it? Well, it, it's easy to to just start accepting Bitcoin and, and announce it. And the hard thing is getting people to spend. Yeah, and I think that's where that's where we've had problems in the past, right? There's been all these businesses accepted Bitcoin and then nobody spent any Bitcoin with them and they're like, why are my, why are my guys trained on this if no one's gonna use it? You have to, you have, to have demand for, for people to spend it for, for the acceptance to make any sense. Gotcha. Sounds like you kind of created that demand. I did. Yeah. So. I, I would like that. I want to see a business in Tucson that is willing to host a meetup for us, <laughs> you know, to get us to. Shouldn't be too hard to find, find good business owner that's interested. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, what what's kind of giving you hope for the future? So, like things are just so insane right now, but you know what? Looking forward, do you think is good on the horizon? Well, I'm looking forward to the world switching off of these fiat currencies and the whole shit burning down, switching to Bitcoin where we can stop the endless wars.
solve things like poverty and homelessness. Because the path that we're going on now is just making it worse and worse and worse. Yeah, it's, um, what do you think that transition from fiat to Bitcoin will look like? It's going to be painful. I think it'll start to open up with the banks when they start offering Bitcoin deposit accounts alongside your fiat accounts. And you can just start converting to Bitcoin right there in your Wells Fargo or Bank of America account. Then it's really going to change. Gotcha. And I think you're going to have to because inflation's going to get so bad. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's some companies that are kind of poising themselves to be ready for that, you know, to be able to offer services like that. I know Caitlin Long's working on something like that out in Wyoming. Um, yeah, I know. I know Nidig is working with a bunch of major banks to facilitate these kinds of products. So. It'll be interesting to see what they come up with. Yeah. Do you, do you have any idea when you think we'll start seeing that? I'm not sure. It's usually necessity is the mother of creation. So when we start to see, you know, double-digit inflation, then there's definitely going to be a, a big rush to try to retain your wealth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in some degrees, we, we we're already seeing that double decrease or double digit inflation. Not not quite. I mean, the overall at the CPIs went running four or five, maybe six percent at the most. So we're not we're not seeing you know ten percent a month. It's not it's not Argentina or Venezuela yet. Yeah, but it can quickly it can quickly accelerate. Yeah, I think it will. It'll. Yeah, it's something like I'm watching the gas prices pretty closely. You you go to some of these other countries that experience high inflation and people convert their paychecks to dollars. They don't hold their local currency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard somebody talking about that in Mexico. They said the peso is for spending and the dollars for saving. Right. And that's so so Bitcoin is for for saving. Right yeah. Now. Yeah, Bitcoin is 100% better for saving. That is kind of like an interesting thing to think about of like if the dollar's hardly inflating compared to I, I mean, I think this is like the thinking a lot of people have like with a lot of these other assets, like, you know, in the stock market, um in a lot of these financial, you know, tools out there is like they're inflating slower. Um so Yeah, it's like, oh well my Purchasing power is going down, but my portfolio is bigger, so I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that that works until it stops working. Mm -hmm. The PE ratios are off the charts. These companies are, you know, way overvalued. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to to see what happens. There's going to be a black swan event. Any predictions on what it's going to be? I I don't like September. Yeah. Yeah. I could I could see you know Bitcoin crashing really hard in September. The stock market crashing really hard in September as well. Housing market doing the same thing. So could be a triple whammy. Yeah. Well, definitely be good to have some cash on hand for that. Have some gold. Have some gold. Gold, silver, Bitcoin, hard money. 
stuff that you know. Yeah. Yeah, I've been. I mean, gold's been performing, you know, pretty poorly, seeing as like all the conditions, you know, to make it. Um, well, the central banks have control of the gold. They have ninety percent of the supply. They lease it out to the market to suppress the price. And the paper gold is sold three times, so who knows how much actual gold backs of all these ETF gold. Mm-hmm. It's a little, little risky. Yeah. Do you, do you think that could be an issue with Bitcoin? I know that's something that bring people bring up as a potential concern for the future. That's why you need to hold your own coins. Yeah. Not your keys, not your coins. Uh, avoid services like BlockFi that are rehypothecating your coins and have no proof of reserves. For all you know, they're paying, you know, their five percent interest using a fractional reserve model. Yeah, yeah, I think they. Well, I think they do admit to rehypothecating, um, but they've, they've never proven any reserves. They. They leaked at least a hundred, somewhere to a thousand coins. We don't know how many. They never admitted how many were leaked. There's no transparency. Yeah, As a Bitcoiner, I demand transparency. Mm-hmm. The chain is there. It's transparent. Don't hide shit. Mm-hmm. It's not going to play out well. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you were talking about like the banks offering uh, Bitcoin services like in your account. It, I think that's kind of like a funny concept to think about of like they're almost like um, encouraging the end of like their demand or for a customer. They, they have a product and their product doesn't care what the currency is. Yeah. So they're ready to transition to what the new money is going to be. It makes sense to me. Yeah. You don't necessarily need a bank. Because with Bitcoin, you can be your own bank. But for a lot of people, that's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, taking custody of your own keys, it's easy to screw up. I've lost countless amount of money just by stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the thing that's, like, exciting about Bitcoin is that it would force them to be accountable in a way that you know, they haven't been before. Um, like what you were talking about, like a proof of reserves. Like we can demand something like that with Bitcoin. Yeah, the, the, the really good thing is the new government that will form after the collapse of the dollar. That government will operate on Bitcoin and will be fully transparent. So we'll know where our money's going. It's not going to be, you know, 700 million to these black projects that just disappears. You know, that kind of behavior will stop. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, it's exciting to think about in the future, but like the interim process to get in there is, you know, the motivation to build huge militaries will go away. Yeah, I think like this is like the most important, one of the most important things for people to understand about fiat currencies is that these, the cost of war goes up tremendously with hard money. I mean, we're we're at war right now. There's there's a massive cyber war that's well underway. Yeah. It's it's subtle. It's not it's not ships blowing up ships right now, but it could quickly turn to that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's 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 also the Chinese flooding us with with fentanyl. They're, the the drugs are coming in and and destroying the lower parts of our civilization, and they know it is, and they're they're happy to ship more over. Well, they also just got caught recently shipping us fiat money. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, the the prop money that that's got seized by some customs folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I know that the U.S. has talked about doing that in North Korea, just like flying helicopters full of money and just dropping just it. Just dropping it, yeah. To totally just debase the currency. I mean, that's, that's a pretty crazy thing if you think about it. Yeah, we're debasing the currency just fine without any help, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's... That's something that's really crazy to think about is, like, this idea of fifth-generational warfare, like, how that... It's not like troops fighting no, each other. No, no, it's, it's cloak and dagger cyber warfare now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been telling my family after watching the Colonial Pipeline hack and, you know, what happened with the Texas power grid that it's... It, uh, uh, now it's the, what, JVS meets? Mm-hmm. Crazy. And so... They got hacked with ransomware, and now they have to shut down every meat processing plant all across the country. Mm-hmm. This doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Yeah. Why are you so dependent on IT to just chop meat, package meat? You can still do that. They were able to do this function before there were computers. Type up some paper invoices and let's get to work. Yeah. Yeah, it's you. You don't disrupt the food supply. Well, I think like one of the issues, um, it's came up with another hack that happened recently. I think it was somewhere in the south. They got it wasn't the Colonial Pipeline, or it might have been the Colonial Pipeline. They part of the reason that the shutdown was that they weren't going to be able to receive um, payment, and that was their biggest concern. Of yeah, like, they want to get paid. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they're going to shut down everybody's uh, utilities, and yeah, it's. I think there's still you know trouble getting gas on the East Coast as a result of that. Man. The prices go up and don't come back down. Yeah, I mean, I've been following gas pretty closely ever since the uh, oil futures went negative in 2020. That was like one of the craziest things, and I've followed it, um, and I've been concerned because they they cut the supply down you know, pretty uh, heavily over, you know, both in Russia and with OPEC. And it's going to take a little bit to, like, start ramping that up. And then when Biden came in and started shutting down oil production and pipelines in the U.S. Um, well, we're reaching that level where shale is, is back in business and economical again. So that'll help. Yeah. yeah I hope so. It'll make it. Marathon Oil did really well today. Did they? Yeah. Is that the same company as like the Marathon Mining? Or? No. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Cool. Well, where can people follow you guys? You guys on social media? Yeah, we're on we're on Twitter at Classic Crust AZ. Yeah, that's that's the main place to get uh, crypto kind of stuff, mm-hmm. or just food kind of stuff. We're on Instagram as well. Cool. And uh, you know what? Why is your pizza better than Pizza Hut? It's made by hand. People that actually care. 
with quality ingredients. We're, we're not a mega corporation. Yeah. I I just do this because I love it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to eating something. After. For sure. <laughs> well, good to have you on, Alex. It was a lot of fun. Oh, right on. Thanks. That was a fun conversation with Alex, and if you get the chance, definitely go stop by Classic Crust Pizza. Um, you can spend a little bit of Bitcoin, not not enough to break the bank. You know, you're not going out and buying a Tesla or doing something dumb like that with it. You're just buying, you know, a slice of pizza or two. Um, stuff that is not that difficult to replace um, with a quick buy order. But yeah. Um, man, this movement is so incredibly important. If we fix the money, we fix the world. And this is what gets me so excited about Bitcoin. Like, we can really have the power to change things at one of the most pivotal pivotal points in human history as we're just watching all this chaos and breakdown of society and just everything being rearranged and reshifted. Like, we can be at the forefront of this and usher in a better form of money uh, than we've ever had before and one that actually protects individuals and that's what this is about uh, we got some bitcoin meetups uh, coming up you know this month uh, we have one in phoenix on the 17th i believe and one in tucson on the 19th i i might have flip-flopped those um but yeah if you want to go check those out on the arizona bitcoin network meetup page uh, that way you can stay up to date with them hope to see you there and have a good one.